This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 39. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group, coming to you from our Capoca studios here in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Kristen Hendricks of Marshall Jones. Kristen holds a counseling degree from SUNY Alfred and brings over a decade of experience in client relations to Marshall Jones, an accounting firm based in Atlanta. Her efforts in reimagining the business development of the firm resulted in her promotion to full partner status. She combines her experience in healthcare and counseling with business acumen to build productive and happy teams. So we have obviously been away for a few months because of the pandemic. Kind of caught us by surprise like it caught everybody else. And we actually had to stop production. We do have a couple of interviews that we recorded before things changed. So this week and next week, you will be hearing those and it'll be the same format that we've done in the past. After that, we're going to be changing format. And part of that is because the COVID-19 social distancing, it's kind of hard to get people to come down to a production facility now. It's hard to stay six feet away in a production studio. So what we're going to do is change the format of the program. This is something that was sort of coming anyway, but we wanted to expand to where we could talk to more people internationally and also talk about topics specifically and speak to multiple people in an episode about a specific topic. So that's a change that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. We're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus to do that production change over, and we're also moving our facilities. So we're going to be in a brand new studio, brand new format. I hope you'll enjoy the new format that's coming. Definitely, if you have any suggested topics that you would like us to cover, please shoot me an email, ryan at websuasion.com. That's R-Y-N at W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M. And of course, you can also chat with me on our website at websuasion.com as well, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N. So without further ado, here's Kristen Hendricks. Kristen, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in upstate New York, in Rochester, and I started making my way down south eight or nine years ago at this okay. point now. So yeah. it's been nice to so get away from, from those winters. The extreme cold to the extreme uh, humid, hot. I love and it. lately wet. Exactly. I will yeah. never, ever complain about the heat. Oh, really? I am blessed to have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've spent a lot of time in Ithaca, and man, it's like I was at a in up there when there was like 30 below, and you were throwing hot coffee out the window, <laughs> and it was like coming down like snow. Yeah. It's crazy. I People just, never believe you of how it really is. Yeah. We used to jump off. We grew up at a ranch house, and we would jump off the roof into snowbanks. <laughs> And it was like probably it was like a like two, ju- feet, uh, yeah, two feet, two feet jump, little yeah. jump into right. the snowbanks. That's funny. So initially, you went to college for nursing, right? I did. So you were interested in the health field to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So um, my mom was in the in the healthcare field, and that was always something that I was really drawn to. So and just helping people and being around people. So I did start off in nursing. Yeah. And I made it about until until the semester before I was about to graduate, and really? I decided. 
Not for you. Not for me. (laughs) What was it that you didn't like? I could not handle the smells. Oh yeah. And I worked and I did every every rotation and I would say, well, this one's not for me, and do another one. So you went through all the studies and all your final all that. It was when you actually got into. uh, Yeah, if I could have just been a research nurse, I probably would have been fine. Gotcha. I need I need people interaction, so it it still wouldn't have worked out in the long run. So you transitioned, I guess, from there into human services. I did. Yeah, I, I transitioned right into counseling, and that was easy for me. Yeah, that made so much sense, and it brought a lot of what I was looking for from school where I felt like I fit in and I could get it and it wasn't a lot of work. It was something that came naturally. Gotcha. So then how do you go from that into business administration, which is what you got your (laughs) bachelor's in, right? I mean, you kind of like wove around. Yeah. So I quickly realized, um, especially once I moved down south in New York, there's a lot of government funding for disabilities, for people who really need help to get along with their daily life. Yeah. And when you come down south, it's just not the same. And what really would have changed is my salary for what I was doing. And I couldn't sustain my life. Right. Working services. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, hats off to the people that do. But working that many hours and having nothing to have come back and telling they were down here, they were like, well, you have to have a master's. And I was like, (laughs) how do you make a master? How do you get a master's on $30,000 salary? And so I quickly realized that along with having a great counseling background, I also understand business really well. And so it was really easy to just switch and say, business is my my thing. And that's an interesting like pairing of talents to be able to deal with people and health related issues and counseling. And then also you're dealing with the, the business side of it. You're really getting two completely polar opposites. Surprisingly, uh, they go hand in hand. <laughs> I, I imagine they do. It's really important to understand how to talk to people, right. to be able to read people and understand if they're understanding what you're saying to them and right. getting back and to also reassure them that everything is going to be fine. Right, right. And it's not all about the bottom dollar. Exactly. It's about the whole A lot of times in my business, at least when people get letters or anything from the IRS, it's scary and I totally understand. Oh, yeah. But a lot of times yeah. it's really nothing. Yeah. And it's something that we can handle by writing a letter or just sending a quick email to someone. It's, it's such a simple thing, but to somebody else, it's really scary. So making sure that they understand we can handle this and yeah. it's not going to be a very expensive problem. It's it's all fixable. Yeah, the IRS doesn't do a good job of explaining their forms that they send you. And Am I in trouble? Is this? <laughs> yes. The IRS does a great job of making everybody feel like they're going to go to jail. Yep. They do. They do. I guess that's what they're doing. I have yet to see them jail someone, but. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, that's good. Uh, So before you got into, I mean, we'll kind of get to Marshall Jones in a bit, but before that you you did CDS uh, Monarch. What was that? Yeah. So CDS Monarch is a wonderful nonprofit in upstate New York. Okay. And, and that was part of the human services. Yeah, work that you were doing. yeah, okay. I absolutely love that job and that company as a whole. And I still do. And I still relate to their CEO and president over there all the time. CDS Monarch assists people with developmental disabilities, with intellectual and developmental disabilities to live a better life. And it really deals with that transition that happens from when you graduate high school. And a lot of times with adults who have or the parents who have children with disabilities, there's always that fear of how are they going to live a normal life. And so CDS Monarch was really all about that. And they had group homes all over the city 
in various neighborhoods. So you could work in the group home aspect. They also had a factory, which worked with a lot of the companies in Rochester to outsource whatever they needed done. Mm -hmm. And so the people who were living there would be able to go there and have a job and have, you know, it was really just about providing that normal life. And then along with that, as CDS has grown now, they also have an assisted living facility for the elderly. Wow. And they're also assisting veterans. And so it was a really cool project to be a part of. Yeah. And you were there for about two years, weren't you? I was there for two years. I quickly climbed the ladders. I was, like I said, really, really close with the CEO and president. And he was a really great person doing wonderful things in the community. So what is the Clear Income Strategies Group then? And that was, it sounds like a, a, a... a flip. Yeah, yeah, that was a flip. And so when I, it was actually surprisingly, when I met my husband at the time, I was working as a nanny because this is back in that transition of moving to the South and realizing, oh my gosh, that great company, CDS Monarch, there's nothing like that down right, here. Right. And in fact, I remember talking to Sanjay, the owner, the president of CDS, and he said, well, just start your own. And I was like, I could <laughs> never, I could never do that. Um, and so I was actually nannying and I was nannying for one of the, the Lowe's corporate lawyers. And it was a really great opportunity and a really great time in my life that I really enjoyed. But when I met my husband, he said, you are more than a nanny. Right, right. <laughs> you, need to, you need to go do something and go, you know, you have all this knowledge and you're not utilizing it. And so I actually found a really cool position to be somewhat of a client services agent for a financial firm. And that is what really catalyzed my business career because I was there for about two weeks when the two partners decided that they were not going to be partners anymore. Oh, wow. And they were going to split, but they both wanted me to work for them. Oh, did you end up working for both the whole time? No. Oh, okay. No, I made them choose, but I made them both give me offers separately. And I was very strategic about my choice. And that was when I really learned how to start a business from the ground up because... Yeah. The partnership split and they ceased and that was done. They had and start so over with everything. They started yeah. over. And so talking about marketing and branding and, you know, just client awareness and websites, videos, what all yeah, everything, yeah. just trying to navigate all of that accounting, client services. So it was really cool to be a part of that. And I was there for, again, Couple about years. two years. Yeah. yeah. So how do you go from all of that? <laughs> into not only starting work at Marshall Jones, which is a CPA firm, obviously. Yeah. But you've quickly, again, like you said, you quickly rose up at Monarch. But I mean, it sounds like you quickly rose up here too as well, because you're now a firm partner, right? I am a partner now. And I, I made partner last January. So I moved to Atlanta after my husband had a great job opportunity to move out here. And when I moved, I still had my great job at Clear Income, and I was going to stay working there. And my family is all in Charlotte now. So the whole plan was is that I would work from home and then come up one week a month. We had moved to Atlanta really quickly. And the apartment that we were in in Atlanta was the worst apartment <laughs> I have ever seen. We have seen. some bad ones, yeah. It was disgusting. It was dark and dingy. And I was having the hardest time working from home yeah. and just being alone. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't for me. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Charlie Jones, who is one of the founding partners of Marshall Jones. He was in need of an administrative assistant, and it really wasn't the kind of job I wanted. I didn't want to start at the bottom again. I was really trying to come in a little higher. And so I told Charlie that I would take the job. However, in two weeks, if he did not double my salary, I was going to leave. 
Okay. So you got two weeks to prove yourself there. I had two weeks to prove myself. So I quickly figured out all the stuff that was going on administratively and it was pretty simple. And then I quickly found a lot of other problems where I could fix their website and help with their AR and figure out some client processes that were going on and try to dive into how are they getting new clients and what are the issues? Why are they not growing every year? And they were one location at this point? Yeah, we had one location at that time that we had been at for since the start, basically, since 1985. And the company was open in 1984. So they had been there for a long time. And their clients had been there for a long time. So that was just Great. growing. Yeah. yeah, they knew what they were doing. They were offering all of the right things, but there was no catalyst to grow. No even business though... development happening or anything. Yeah, <laughs> not enough business development, yeah. or maybe not the best focus on business right. development. Um, and so I worked closely with Charlie, and we worked on getting it up to speed. So how long did that take? The first year was the worst year. Yeah, of course. And I told him that I said this yeah. is going to be the worst year of your life, but I promise next year it's going to be crazy. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what happened. There's, It's horrible to have to go into a company that's pretty set in its ways yeah. and have to make changes. A lot of that comes with personnel changes. And that's difficult for anybody to handle. Um, and personality changes, too. I mean, the the, person- the, the, uh, the heads of the company have to understand. I, I went through the same thing. Like, I, I used to just sit around and program the whole time. And yeah. we were kind of locked in. And then at some point, I was like, okay, we're bringing new programmers in. Yeah. I've got to go out and be a president. I've got to go out. And, and, do- and exactly. Yeah. And that can be scary for people to change your workflows. Yeah. So to change your company morals are your staff living what you're saying we do right and if they're not then what changes do you have to make to have that happen does your team actually care about the company do they have that same mission and value and loyalty clock yeah yeah and that was what was a lot of what was happening and a lot of those people aren't here today but the ones who are really see how great yeah everything is going um and that's been a real big shift a lot of people don't realize that if you invest in your people and invest in your team they will grow your company faster than you could ever right yeah so just reward them how long before were you there before they offered you partner and how does that even work (laughs) because i would normally i would think that that in a cpa firm or any like a law firm or anything else usually it would be other cpas that would be the partner correct it's really it is a very it's not uncommon but it is unusual it is unusual to have a partner over administration, however, large firms do have them. Yeah, it makes we sense. are not at that exact size yet where yeah. it really makes sense. However, and Charlie would say the same thing if he were here, Charlie knew that at some point he was not going to be able to do this anymore. And he did. He grew the company for the last 36 years. Yeah. And that it is his baby and it still is today. But a lot of what he wanted when he wanted, he knew he wanted to do an internal succession of the business. Right. He knew that all of the pieces weren't 100% there. And a lot of it was, you know, we had a great, all of my other partners are so wonderful. But there really wasn't that person who focused on the people and who could really focus on the business to make sure, are we hitting those KPIs? Are we hitting those markers? Are we holding people accountable? Are we giving our clients the service that we need? And so he always says that I kind of came in and I just placed myself as that key person who could handle all of the other stuff and support the other partners to do what they do best. Right. 
Now, where did you learn all the KPI stuff and all? Was that from the business, business administration school work that you did? I mean, like, I mean, that's how or? you learn the real words for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't know if you like, did you bring yeah. in a coach initially or anything no, like that? No. So them? in the beginning, um, I'm really fortunate that my dad has always been an entrepreneur and okay. because he might be a little cheap, I've always had to work for him <laughs> growing up. So you learn the hard way. Okay. So you learn the hard way. You learn the effects of when things aren't going well and you yeah. learn the effects of when things are going really great. And I mean, from the family standpoint of, you know, we would, I experienced when the businesses weren't doing well from a family standpoint of how it affected us at home. Yeah. But then you also realize when it's going great, all of the great things that are happening too. Right. So I think that, especially with my counseling background, makes me very aware of the impact of our actions and how they affect other people. Yeah. Not to say that I'm not a risk taker, but I'm just very, I want to be a little bit more calculated in my decisions because right. I have to feed 25 other people and their families yeah it's um, a lot of pressure yeah it is but it doesn't have to be yeah. as long as you have the you, system in place and yeah. you're consistent with it yeah. yeah yeah but i mean a lot of everything i learned about business was really just having the guts to do it yeah the guts to say it and the information to back it up <laughs> that's cool that's cool so tell me about marshall jones and exactly as far as like part of it being when you came in what was their clientele like at the time? Yeah. And then what did you find? I mean, did you look at the profitability of all the clients and go, okay, well, this is, this is what we really need to focus on moving forward. And what did that end up being? Yeah. So the profitability was all really there. It was just hidden of not collecting fast enough on your fees, right. um, not billing fast enough, not having a good enough procedure of how billing really works and focusing on, and every CPA firm, you're going to have your up and down months just because there is a seasonality of right. it. So how do you reduce that? Gotcha. And I'm spreading out over it. Right. Yeah. So I haven't figured out a hundred percent, but I have eliminated a lot of it of yeah. just how to keep that ebb and flow going. But we are still offering a lot of the same services. Yeah. We have really just upped it a lot of just really focusing on being problem solvers, not putting ourselves into a niche of we only deal with these few things, of really just being a problem solver, being available to people. Yeah. And again, just upping our service line so that a lot of, I mean, people ask us all the time, how are we growing so quickly? And a lot of it is referrals from our own clients. Right. And I have never sent an email to a client asking for a referral. And none of my partners have. It's coming because of what we're Naturally. offering. And so that yeah. feels really good. Yeah. Um, it feels like we are going on the right path. It's, it's organic. Yeah. It is organic. And so it's it's been really, it's been a really great great ride so far. That makes sense. Then you said you're starting to do more and more nonprofits. I guess that's part of that seasonality because they file at a different time. So you've got yeah. your businesses that come in first, individuals, we, and then you've got nonprofits and what else? Like Yeah. So all of it, we are very fortunate that we file at every deadline. Yeah. So the, and that covers like what, at least nine months of the year. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are actually almost only two months that we don't have any filings and that's okay. mostly in January. We still have minor filings in January. Yeah. Um, but we file in every other month. So we are busy all the time. That's great. How do you deal with the continuing education part of it with the CPAs? Is that difficult to schedule with that kind of? No. So it is actually, that is a partner derived thing. And so the easiest way for C CPE to come in is when we have new stuff happening. So when right. you get a new client, we've got to figure out how to deal with it. Um, we don't deal with any foreign income. So we don't, that's our, we're, we stay hands off with foreign income. Yeah. Um, but CPE happens monthly. So okay. a lot of it is 
we use a lot of our senior staff to train younger staff on CPE. And that always helps even as an, a senior staff to, if you have to explain it to somebody else, you've got to right. really know it. So there's a lot of training that happens with that. And that happens monthly. Um, and then along with that, we use great places out there like the AICPA and the GSCPA that offer that continuing education gotcha. for our team. And we just try to attack it monthly. We try not to let it culminate into one month, but yeah. it happens at the same time. We're, gotcha. we're just working with the ebbs and flows. What are some of the target kind of industries or target kind of clients? Is there a certain size of client that you like to work yeah, with? Yeah, so we don't discriminate on size. And then that really goes back to a question you asked before where when I first came to Marshall Jones, a lot of our clients were aging. Okay. And we were dealing with extremely high net worth people, which was great. And there was great revenues from that, but they were dying. Yeah. And there wasn't new ones coming in. And so a lot of that was we have to get that younger generation in, the, yeah. the people that are using TurboTax, the people who are just starting their own businesses. Yeah. And that has to change with minimums of fees and expectations but those are the people that are going to grow with you. Right. So we can't have the, the older clients and not focus on the younger clients too. You really need to have a great mix of all. And so that's really been the big focus for us is to assist those younger people too yeah. and help them realize that TurboTax and all of that may not always be the best option with your <laughs> right. scenarios, which is always a little hard to beat with the, the amount that TurboTax advertises. But yeah, yeah. We, we do try. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, as soon as they find out, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I may be paying the CPA a little bit more, but I just saved $3,000 and I'm, you know, paying Yeah, whatever. my biggest thing yeah. there is to always remind people that your CPA knows you. Yeah. It's not, it's not a computer. And if you are being treated like that at your CPA firm, you're at the wrong CPA firm. Right. Um, I'm not ever here to say that one is better than the other, but a little goes a long way when you're having someone who actually cares about you and cares about your situation and is willing to say, wow, you really owe a lot this year. What happened? What changed? Yeah. Is there something we're missing? TurboTax doesn't care if right. you owe or if you're getting a refund. You're or just, if you made a mistake. Or, <laughs> or if yeah. you made a mistake. That's yeah. just, that's going to, or if you don't understand what they just asked you. Yeah. Yeah. It's and too much stress. It definitely can be. And it can always be surprising to me what people don't know. Yeah. And so you really need someone that can explain that to you. Yeah, I mean, like, even things like depreciating a vehicle. What even or, is depreciation? <laughs> or a large vehicle <laughs> yes. tax credit or something that you didn't know existed. Or yeah, and a lot like of things, I mean, a lot of people forget that the, the laws change all the yeah. time. So I feel like a big question that we get right now is, should I rent or should I lease or own my vehicle? Right. And a lot of that comes from you remembering your parents were always leasing those vehicles and putting them in their company. Because they didn't want to have to sell them later and then take the tax hit on selling the, Correct. the vehicle. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore because that's not around. Okay. So should you lease or own a vehicle? I mean, my typical answer on that is, well, do you like to get a new car every couple of years? Because yeah. you should probably just lease. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there is not a huge tax benefit to doing so. If you're a realtor, it's a little different. But right. That's what our job is, is yeah. to stay apprised of that and be discussing that with you. And that can always be the issue of getting that generational advice from your parents. Yeah, your dad's going to always tell you to, to lease your vehicle and put it in your company. Yeah. Eh, maybe not anymore. Right. It's not going to It's not gonna gotcha. make a huge difference like it used to back in the early 90s. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but the the biggest company or the biggest areas of our business that we focus on that we're actually marketing towards and trying to get more clients is going to be real estate construction and nonprofits. Commercial real estate or commercial and um, like developer. Yes, yeah. we we have a lot of developers, but we also deal with re- residential as well, where we have a couple guys that are, you know, might ha- own a lot of properties for rental and right. things of that nature. Yeah. Okay. Well, is, what have you found since you've come in and made these changes? What did you find worked and didn't work as far as business development goes, like networking groups or? Yeah. Like so that? I feel like what works and doesn't work is really an individual thing. Um, so a lot of that is determining what your personality is. Yeah. So for example, one of our partners who is really great at bringing in business, he's always very uncomfortable in situations where it's a networking type thing. So right. that's not for him. So we shouldn't expect him to do that. Right, right. He's really great at talking to the clients once we've already gotten into the yeah. into the weeds a little bit with them. He closes, basically. He's a closer, but yeah. he's not going to go out and fish for new business. And, and that's not, okay. He's not cold calling anyone. No, or, he's yeah, never yeah. going to be the cold caller right. at all. That, or, and he could. He would if we told him to or if we asked him to. But it would make him so uncomfortable that it's yeah. really just not the best way for him. And then for me, I know that what works for me in getting new business is I'm very relationship driven. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of people in the same industry that I work with. I want to focus on just having one person that I can trust and that I can trust to help my clients out if I need that. And that I can be open and honest with that's always worked for me. So as for networking groups, I don't have 10 networking groups that I'm a part of. I have one. <laughs> yeah. And I put all of my energy into it. Yeah. And I, if I can go there and be a hundred percent, then it's going to work well. And I just know that from my own personality. But a lot of what we deal with with our clients is to say, if we have a similar personality and have the same morals, which are usually pretty easy to tell about someone quickly, yeah. I can recommend you to work with my clients because they like the way that I work and the way that I treat them and the way that our company works. So then they would like that about you too. Gotcha. But a lot of times what we're always going to try to do is if I'm referring you to somebody, I've already worked with them. Right. So this is not a blind thing where I'm like, oh, gosh, I met this guy last week. I hope it works out. <laughs> right. Let's, let's, see if, let's see if he burns me. Yeah. yeah. No, we definitely don't want to do that. And I don't ever want to refer something to somebody where I have to follow up a ton of times and say, did you contact them? Or did you? Right. If that's the case, we're not. Are, it's, they're, are they're not like keeping you up to, to speed Yeah, it's just on, not yeah. the right thing. I, I want you to care about my clients as much as I do. Yeah. And if you do, this is going to be a great relationship. If you don't, that's okay. We. I'm not going to burn you or anything. We're sure. just going to, sure. we're not a good fit for each other. Yeah. Well, so if there was anything that you could go back and do differently about that transitional phase, especially when you came into the firm, uh, is there anything that you felt like you could have done sooner or better or, or mistakes that you might have made? I would always say to trust your gut. Okay. And if you, I tell my staff this all the time, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that was happening at our at our firm back then Everybody was aware of it, but nobody was willing to tackle it. And so you can't go back and think about missed opportunities, but you can make a change and you don't have to be the CEO to make a difference. You can be the administrator who just started a week ago and say, wow, you know, I've I've worked at other places and they do this and it's always worked. Do you want to try it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. So just don't be afraid to try anything and don't be afraid to go get it. And then based on your experience with having, you know, such a broad range from nursing and human services to uh, business administration and CPA oriented stuff yeah. now, uh, do you have any suggestions for people who are, you know, maybe 
trying to find their career, kind of trying to figure out where they fit in, um, you know, what would you recommend? Yeah, I would always say to enjoy where you're at at the moment. I mean, I've switched careers and I really don't ever plan on switching again. I have going reviews from every company I've ever been at because I wanted to come in and actually be helpful and be, I didn't want to punch the clock. I wanted to actually make a difference. So I could literally call up the CEO for my first job and he would still help me if I needed something. So just enjoying where you're at and having respect for that and working your way up, knowing those people and making those relationships, that will always help you to get to the next level. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast network, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We've got some cool changes coming that way as well. Some longer format videos that uh, will go along with the new format of the program. You can get to the YouTube channel through our website. Go to our website and at the very top you'll see some social media links. YouTube is third from the right. Click that. Click the subscribe button and then click the bell icon to be notified when we post new videos. Next week on the show, we have Jill Hynek. Jill is a realtor, writer, and speaker. She is the president of Hynek & Company, a Keller Williams firm specializing in corporate relocation. Jill is also the host of the Customer Experience Radio podcast, inspired by the companies who make an impact by putting their customer experience first. We look forward to that, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, I hope you have a productive work week. (laughs) 